The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Three cutting-edge interviews today on the front lines of the culture wars and beyond. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends, on The Line of Fire. This is Michael Brown. Delighted to be with you. I was doing a Zoom interview earlier today, and I was asked, well, why don't I just stay with religion? Why don't I just focus on that and not get into political or cultural issues? And I said, well, the gospel intersects with morality. Morality intersects with the culture. That's the reality. That's the world in which we live. God is concerned about many issues about life in this world. In fact, Jacob James 1 says that true religion, undefiled before God the Father in this, is this to, to visit the fatherless and the widow in their affliction and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So because we care about the Lord, we care about our neighbor, we care about the world in which we live, we're going to be talking about that today. An important interview in terms of major events having to do with the pro-life movement. That'll be coming away in a little while. A little later in the show, an important interview on a new book on God and cancel culture. But this broadcast was birthed in North Carolina. We have been, excuse me, on North Carolina stations for over 13 years now and, and built up many, many faithful listeners for many, many years now. So even though we're going to talk about North Carolina, there, there are always issues of larger interest to the church as a whole. So I'm joined by Tammy Fritz-Gerald. She's been a guest many times before on the broadcast. She is executive director of the North Carolina Values Coalition. She's been a practicing attorney, almost 40 years lobbyist for many years as well. Hey, Tammy, welcome back to the show. Well, thank you, Dr. Brown. It's such a pleasure to be here, and thank you for all the great work you do. Well, thank you. So, Tammy, first, what what's what's the feeling uh that, that you have, your colleagues have right now. It's, it's a really crazy time, a unique time in many ways. Are you encouraged, discouraged? A lot happening from the federal government. What, where's, where's your own heart right now? Well, uh, I guess if you look at it on the outside, you know, it would be very discouraging if we didn't know Christ. Um, but yet we have our hope in Christ, and uh, we know how the story ends. So... Um, but it, it is a difficult time, I would say, for our nation right now, and especially for those of us who work on the issues of the pro-life uh, movement, uh, family, and religious freedom, because what we see coming out of Washington is all kinds of executive orders and proposed bills that would do nothing but crush our rights as Christians to follow what the Bible tells us to do. So, Tammy, what about within North Carolina itself? Are there any unique challenges taking place here or any unique victories? Well, in North Carolina, we do have a uh, majority Republican legislature, and so that has been a bright spot. Um, I guess the, the downside of that is that we have a Democrat governor who vetoes everything. And, in fact, he's vetoed more bills in his tenure than any other governor in our state. And so um, just about anything that our organization has tried to do legislatively has been vetoed by the governor. 
Um, and that is a challenge. Um, and it's also a motivation to keep working hard and try to get more people who share our values elected to office, including the governor's office. So, so obviously our first priority as followers of Jesus is not political in terms of our calling to live for the Lord personally, to live for the Lord as families, to share, to reach out, to make an impact where we are, to be involved in our local congregations, etc. But voting matters as well, and, and and who we put in office does does have a great impact, as you're sharing now. Uh, some major things are happening with your organization. Why don't you tell our, our listeners about that? Well, thank you for the opportunity. Of course, we're called to be salt and light in the culture, and part of the culture is the political scene. And So that's what our organization does. It addresses the political theme, both elections and public policy. And we are getting ready tomorrow to celebrate our 10th anniversary of uh, doing work on behalf of pro-life, pro-family, and pro-religious issues. And so um, we are so excited to celebrate these 10 years of work. And we have an exciting event at the Angus Barn in Raleigh. Uh, where we have our Lieutenant Governor, Mark Robinson, and the uh, um, grandson of Billy Graham, uh, Edward Graham, speaking about his work with Samaritan's Purse. And um, so, but you know what? As of today, Dr. Brown, we're sold out of tickets. And uh, so we are live streaming this event, and anyone across the country can watch the event. I know our Lieutenant Governor has been uh, on the national scene uh, recognized as one of the really new, up-and-coming, strong voices on conservative issues. And he certainly doesn't shy away from our biblical values that we work on. And so we are proud to bring him to the state and the country tomorrow through a live stream program that people can access through our website, ncvalues.org, slash celebration. All right, so... Uh, that's all right, so so the good, the bad news is the good news because we were having you on today, uh, especially to get to our audience in Raleigh, one of our, our largest and most faithful audiences uh, that we have mm-hmm. in in the state, uh, in in America, and to to encourage folks to turn out. So it's sold out. So that's the bad news. The good news is everybody gets to watch. And uh, is this going to be is this going to be like local North Carolina news, or is it going to be encouraging and, and educational for for people around the country? I think it will be educational for people around the country. It will be an opportunity for people to watch this up-and-coming star, uh, Mark Robinson, who is our first black lieutenant governor and who firmly shares our values on life, especially um, on all these issues about religious freedom. And so I would encourage people to watch. You can tune in at 7.30 p.m. and you can get to it by going to our website, ncvalues.org slash celebration. All right. So friends, that's 730 Eastern time, ncvalues.org forward slash celebration. And, you know, we've seen so much satanic attack through our history on the African American community, the black community here in America, so many obstacles to overcome. That always tells me that there's a calling, that there's something that God wants to do through a people. You know, Jewish history has been the same, all kinds of opposition, difficulty. We know there's a calling on the Jewish people. So it, it's, it's always a blessing when, when I see those that are called by God who have a voice that, that share our values because, because many in the black Christian community 
share our values about about pro-life family things like that but they find many times the democrat party seems more more open to work with them or is more concerned about other issues education or different things and they feel okay we don't agree with this but that's the party that listens so to the extent the republican party and and i'm a registered independent just as a even though i voted republican for years but to the extent the republican party can tell the the black american community hey you're important to us your your lives are important to us your well-being is important to us your issues are important to us and there is a place for you in the party wonderful there should be much more diversity than we've seen so glad to hear about the self-incoming voice as well well and of course um mark robinson uh, the last time i heard him speak um he said uh he was in a room full of pastors 300 pastors and he asked if anyone from the mainstream press was present um and and nobody raised their hands of course because they would have been booed but he said okay he said I just want to say there are only two sexes, and he repeated himself again. <laughs> so he is not afraid to tell the truth. He's not afraid to stand up to the media, and um, I certainly respect his voice and hope that it, uh, it that he moved on to even higher things after he's lieutenant governor. Good. Well, may, may it be so. So again, friends, seven thirty p.m. Eastern time. That is tomorrow night, ncvalues.org forward slash celebration. Hey, Tammy, thanks for joining us. Keep up the great work. Thank you so much, Dr. Brown. Have a wonderful day. You are, you are very welcome. All right. Before we go to D.C. and talk about a, a massive happening this Saturday, a, a real collision of light and darkness with my guest, Pat Mahoney. We're going to go there in a moment. Uh, YouTube has now announced that all anti-vax channels and material will be banned from, from their, their platform. Now, I'm not anti-vax, but we've had guests on on different sides discussing the issues, and YouTube's been totally fair with me. Every one of our videos has been approved and monetized, etc., dealing with these issues. I want to play something that gives a perspective from an articulate Christian basketball player, Jonathan Isaac, talking about vaccination issues. Let's just listen to what he had to say, because it's an interesting perspective. Jonathan, Josh Robbins with The Athletic. Uh, what is it about the vaccine that, that makes you uh, hesitant to, to, to get it? Uh, I, I would start with, um, I've, I've had COVID um, in the past, and so our, our understanding of antibodies, of natural immunity has uh, uh, changed a, a great deal from the onset of the pandemic and is still evolving. Um, I understand that the vaccine would uh, um, help if, if, if you catch COVID and uh, you'll be able to have less symptoms um, from contracting it. But with me having COVID in the past and having antibodies um, with my current um, age group and uh, uh, fitness, physical fitness level, um, it's not necessarily a fear of mine. Uh, taking the vaccine, um, like I said, it would decrease my chances of uh, uh, having a severe reaction, but it does open me up to the, albeit rare chance, but the possibility of having an adverse reaction to the vaccine itself. Um, I don't believe that being unvaccinated means infected or being vaccinated means um, uninfected. You can still catch COVID um, with or without not having the vaccine. Um, I would say, honestly, the, the, the craziness of it all in terms of not being able to say that it should be everybody's fair choice without being demeaned or um, talked crazy to doesn't 
make one comfortable to do what said person is uh, telling them to do. Um, yeah, I, I would say that's, that's a couple of the reasons that, um, you know, I would say I, I'm hesitant at this time, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't feel that it is, um, you know, anyone's reason to come out and say, well, this is why or this is not why. It should just be their decision and, um, you know, loving your neighbors, not just loving those that, that agree with you or look like you or uh, move in the same way that you do. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, loving those who don't. Right. So just laid out, articulating another video, he says, hey, I'm not getting this information from watching Donald Trump press conferences or BLM videos or material. So, again, make informed, wise decisions. We'll be right back with Pat Mahoney. You, you got to know what's happening this Saturday in D.C. And if there's any way you can get there to participate, you want to be there. It's going to be history in the making. We'll be right back. Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Friends, if you're going to be anywhere near Washington, D.C. or can make your way up to Washington, D.C. this weekend, I strongly encourage you to be there Saturday specifically for an important event. I am rejoined by my dear friend, Reverend Patrick Mahoney, who has been on the front lines of the pro-life movement for well over 40 years. When he was on a few weeks back talking about this October 2nd event, the importance of this prayer event, the Supreme Court agreeing suddenly after almost a year of, of no activity to hear the Dobbs case from Mississippi, which could potentially overturn Roe v. Wade if it's allowed to stand uh, simply without Roe v. Wade being addressed, it will further dismantle Roe v. Wade. The Supreme Court, since Pat was on with us, uh, since they were on with us, the Supreme Court allowed to stand the Texas heartbeat bill, and, and that has caused uproar across the country. And these are, these are momentous days. Nothing like this has happened since the passing of Roe v. Wade in 1973. And, and Pat, along with the prayer event, on Saturday, something else has happened. You picked this date weeks and weeks in advance. Something else is now being planned for October 2nd. Tell us about it. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Brown, so much for having me. By the way, listening to that video, LeBron James, the most famous basketball player in the world, also believes it should be an individual choice, and he's been vaccinated. But months ago, we picked October 2nd. We had no idea. God put that on our heart. Suddenly, we just find out Two weeks ago, there is going to be a massive women's march across the country and in Washington, D.C., specifically embracing a pro-abortion position. And what we couldn't have known, only God could have known this, they are finishing their march at the exact time we are beginning our prayer at the Supreme Court. So they're ending their march at the Supreme Court, and little do they realize they are walking into a place where we will be worshiping God, celebrating God, coming in humility, crying out for justice and human rights, an end to ab abortion violence, and it's almost like God is bringing them there to see this. It's truly, you know, Elijah and the prophets of Baal, in a way, in terms of contrast. 
and we are very excited about this. And um, I've been, I, Dr. Brown, I think I've been talking to the uh, United States Capitol and Supreme Court police more than I've been talking to my wife. Um, they are gearing up for this. They're setting up all kinds of barricades. But we are there trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit, resting in the fact they that are with us are more than they who are with them. And I, I just can't wait. I, I love it when we kind of live biblical moments in contemporary culture. And that's what's happening October 2nd, um, 2 to 4 p.m. at the Supreme Court. And if uh, anyone's listening wants to come, you can go to purplesashrevolution.com, purplesashrevolution.com, and I could not be on a Dr. Michael Brown program somehow without mentioning the word revolution at least one time. So well, that's it, man. Uh, we'd, we'd love to have you, but this is a historic moment. I've labored in this for 48 years, and now we are seeing what we've worked and prayed and Dr. Brown, you've been on the front line, too, and 100-degree temperatures in, you know, uh, Wichita, Kansas in the summer, and 15 below in South Dakota in the winter. And I just want to thank all those men and women who we will not know. They're described in Scripture as this beautiful cloud of witnesses who have prayed, worked, struggled, reached out to women, opened their home, uh, women with unexpected pregnancies, and now what we are praying for and worked for and believed for, God is putting right at our doorstep. So we're, as you can tell, I'm very energized by this, and we're excited what the Holy Spirit is going to do this weekend in our nation's capital. All right, so again, that's 2 to 4. It's Eastern time, of course, in Washington, D.C., Saturday. It, it's, it's just one of those things, it's, it, it is history in the making, the whole day, the spirit of it, it's immediately before the Supreme Court resumes, so this will be their fall session. And Correct. Probably December is when they're going to hear the case. Is that what it seems it's, now? They, they have announced they're hearing the case on December 1st. So and, we and, know for a fact, December 1st, Wednesday, they're going to hear Dobbs v. Jackson, the case that may dismantle Roe v. Wade. And then there will be people that are on the inside watching, observing, that will then come away and say, hey, based on questions that were asked or this or that, we, we have a feeling it could go this way or that way. But when will we finally know what the ruling is? Uh, almost everyone believes that it'll be the end of June where most of the controversial decisions are handed. And the joke here in our nation's capital is the justices throw those decisions on the runway as they're flying out <laughs> their summer vacation. But there is a possibility, Dr. Brown, I was on a case called Bray versus Alexandria that was argued in the fall, and the decision came out in January. So if, um, if I had to, to sort of look at it, I would say probably 80 to 90 percent at the end of June. There is a slight possibility it could come out in January. But either way, the Church needs to engage, pray. Uh, brothers and sisters, this is what we have been working for. And uh, I've been talking to Dr. Brown quite a bit about this, that this is our moment. And will we step into this moment? God creates scenarios for the Church to step into these scenarios, and this is one of them. And so I believe we will. I'm seeing uh, an anointing. And when I heard from the Lord on May 14th, I heard that we would have favor 
on this case. Little did I know then the Mississippi Attorney General would ask that this case overturn Roe, and I could have never had an idea that the Supreme Court would not block a ban on a Texas bill which banned abortions after six weeks. So we're sensing this favor, and I just want to say we need to step in the purposes of God. When a sovereign God moves, when he speaks, when he calls us, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer said spontaneous obedience is better than doubt and reflection. The Church needs to respond, and I believe we're in one of those moments right now. Yeah, Pat, you get this burden, you talked about it the last time you are on with me, to, to pray about the Dobbs case, which you just sat for like a year. Uh, Supreme Court had been submitted to them, and they didn't say yes or no, they'd hear it or not hear it. You get this burden, you go into D.C., then over, that was on a Friday, then Monday you hear they've decided to, to hear the case. That was that first indication of God at work. And then the logic, well, if they were just going to let it stand because federal court said no to the Mississippi bill, then why agree to hear it? Just let it stand and don't hear it at all. By not hearing it, you're letting it stand. So was there something going on there? And then the ruling with the, the, the agreeing to let stand the Texas bill which goes even further than the Mississippi bill. Uh, and then again, as you said, who knew that the Mississippi uh, Attorney General would say, hey, yes, we, we want to review Roe v. Wade. It is bad law. And then all the, the abortion activists saying, hey, hey, we've been saying this is where it's... And then the news report, this could be the case that overturns it. So, friends, if you can't join in in D.C., I mean, if you can, it's, it's worth going, worth making the trip in, get in early, get there to the location at the right time. Just to be there as the marchers come in and you're in the midst of worshiping the Lord oh, and glorifying him. Right. So if you can be there, it's, it's one of those historic moments. But wherever you are, join in prayer or at least take some of that time between 2 and 4 Eastern time on Saturday. But then here's the other big thing. Make this a, a matter of prayer, regular prayer, daily prayer, whatever your habit yes. is. Because you told us about uh, when you were on last that what happened with Justice Kennedy was that he was ready to rule against, uh, in a case that would overturn Roe v. Wade, what, in, in the 80s, right? No, it was 1992, the case. 92, excuse me, of course. Yeah, so, so the, the Supreme Court always has a preliminary vote, and in the preliminary vote, they voted five to four to overturn Roe, and Kennedy switched his vote to support Roe. Right. So uh, when I when I dug into this more afterwards, I mean, you've got the quotes. It's well documented what happened. It's known. Uh, it's out. The information is out. So Roe v. Wade could have been overturned 30 years ago, almost 30 yeah. years ago. And, and the moment was missed. So keep praying for God to turn the hearts of these justices, for God to influence them, for God to open their hearts and minds. They're just human beings. There's people like you and me that just got into these very high important position. So again, two to four this Saturday, Washington, D.C. And by the way, this is not an event where Pat's expecting 300,000 people. So whether you come or not, you're not going to be noticed. So this could be a matter of hundreds there or a few thousand. So if yeah. you're able to get in, come with family. Uh, the event itself is going to be Jesus glorifying, totally non-political. The name of a political leader or party will not be heard that some of this event. Hey, Pat, one minute left. Give us a final exhortation. I'm just saying, Dr. Brown, we believe through prayer we can see God shift shape and transform history and end abortion violence. This is our moment. Let us believe, brothers and sisters, for the powerful moving of the Holy Spirit. 
as we consecrate this court to God and and, and end this tragic violence against America's children and women. Amen. May it be so. Hey, Pat, the Lord be with you. This is going to be an amazing, amazing time. Let's, let's pray that God will work. Not just that he'll answer prayer that day, but that he'll actually do some things on this day where we'll get Pat back uh, on yes. to, to tell us the stories. I'm, I'm expecting it, bro. Me too. Thank you, sir. God bless, Dr. Brown. God bless. All right. Yeah, no, no, this is not being overexcited, friends. This is not hype. This is, this is reality. This is one of those moments where, as, as Pat said, it's, it's a biblical moment in history. And may God touch those women marchers. May something beautiful happen in their lives. All right, we'll be right back with Steve Strang to talk about God and cancel culture. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on the line of fire. Uh, cancel culture. I'm, I'm going to do a little test here, and I'm going to type in, in quotes, the words cancel culture, and do a Google search. And look at this. I get 9 million 670,000 results. When I did it a few days ago, it was still in the eight millions. In other words, this has become a massive issue. The, the canceling of people, the canceling of ideas, a culture that censors to the point of marginalizing and reducing someone's influence to zero, if it differs, and this is of particular interest to the church. I actually have a book coming out with Charisma in March of next year called The Silencing of the Lambs, about the ominous rise of cancel culture and how we can overcome it. My guest now is the CEO of Charisma Media and has written a number of important books, Stephen Strang. His new book, God and Cancel Culture, it, uh, it will educate you, it will address a lot of key issues that are happening. That's why Steve felt to write this book and as we talked, his uh, publisher, author, a really good one-two punch with his book now. Just came out early this month in mind, coming your way in March. So, Steve, welcome back to the Line of Fire. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you. You're one of my favorite people. Well, that's, that's very gracious of you. We, it has been a joy to work with you. I've been uh, just impressed with what God's done in and through you and, and the joy of working together these many years. And obviously, many ways we think similarly hence two books on very from very different angles but on a similar subject okay how how would you define cancel culture you come at this as a journalist you research you do interviews how do you define cancel culture well that's a very good question let me say first that i'm sure glad that my book came out first because you're so brilliant i know we'll take a very different aspect of the same problem but i used cancel culture as a catch-all to discuss how, what, everything that's happening in the in the culture, trying to cancel really the influence of Christianity, I think that that's what it comes down to. Uh, it also has to do with communism. In fact, I have a chapter called "It's Not Cancel Culture; It's Communism," uh, because communists 
and other totalitarian governments have always tried to cancel everyone who didn't agree with them, whether it was Adolf Hitler or whether it's North Korea today. And what we have people in our country who have an agenda to move America so far to the left that we become socialist, which is really a different kind of American communism. And of course, communism is always atheistic. You know, a cancel culture is a relatively new term, as you're alluding to, but you know, the Romans were trying to cancel Christianity in the first century, and of course, it didn't work. Um, there's always this going on. It's worse lately because it's aimed at anyone who doesn't agree with this leftist agenda, which it has to do with sexuality, your view of election fraud, um, even COVID-19. There's a whole chapter on that. If you say certain things like uh, hydroxychloroquine or uh, ivermectin might help people get well and hello, there's an awful lot of evidence that it does, uh, they want to cancel you. And if you have the audacity to say the vaccine is dangerous, they want to cancel you in spite of the fact that I'm told that 17,000 people so far have died. Now, I always try to be careful with my statistics, and I have not literally researched that. It's sometimes hard to know, you know what to believe. But a lot of people have died. There was another vaccine that was taken off the market when 25 people had died. And it's like we ignore that all these people are dying, yet to raise the question, they cancel you. In fact, I know um, one leader who is on YouTube who has been canceled. YouTube is one of the worst. He said, I want to talk about the V subject, but I'm going to do it on a different platform. And he actually sent his listeners over to another platform because he didn't want to get canceled. Um, that, and to me, that's scary because, you know, you hear about Mike Lindell getting canceled. The president of the United States, hello, people have been canceled because they liked, they did a like online and it was discovered and that was not uh, politically correct and people have actually lost their jobs. I have some examples of that in the book, God and Cancel Culture. So everyone becomes afraid. They say, oh, so-and-so got canceled and they're big and they're strong and if they get canceled, I'm going to get canceled. I better not say anything. And that kind of self-cancellation to me is far worse uh, because we're actually doing their dirty work for them. We're canceling ourselves, and they don't have to. Mm. Yeah, the fact that the most powerful man on the planet, when president, as president, was banned from Twitter and banned from Facebook, it, it's, it's beyond remarkable. You may sound like his tweets are fine. <laughs> Go ahead and differ. That's, that's what our freedom of speech is, is all about. And, and I'm just looking now, as you're speaking, I'm looking at Drudge Report, Com, which is one of the, the biggest websites in terms of, of, of news headlines. So the giant headline, there's YouTube and then the red circle and the line through it. And in red, YouTube bans all, quote, anti-vax content. Then on red, in red on the top, Sydney warns, Sydney, Australia, unvaccinated face total social isolation indefinitely when lockdown ends. United Airlines firing employees who refuse shot. Um, Vatican's, Vatican cracks down. What would Jesus say? NBA stars push back. So, Steve, you're not, you're not exaggerating. This is not like Chicken Little saying the sky's falling. It really is a critical moment. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm like you. Let's get the information out. Let's evaluate it. Let's make informed decisions. 
but this this the COVID part is one part of it. But you're seeing this more broadly. I just saw the other day Johnny Depp, the actor Johnny Depp, who you don't think of as a Christian spokesman, saying no one is safe in this culture. So the subtitle of your book is, is urging us to stand up before it's too late. What does too late actually mean? Well, you hear the term tipping point, you know, and it comes from if you tip back in a chair on two legs, you can balance for a while. But if you tip back too far, at some point, you get where you can't ride the chair on four legs anymore. You, you know, you fall backward. And we're going to get to that point. I mean, it sounds like in Australia, they're almost all re- ready there. And I've been to Australia. It's a lot like the United States. They speak English. They have a democracy. You know, it's not a very powerful. It's not a world leader. But it's very far left. And we're going to get there. At least we still have conservatives in our country who stand up to this. I mean, this is against our First Amendment rights, freedom of speech, freedom of the press. Uh, you know, really, going on Facebook and saying something is freedom of the press, except you're going online instead of on a printing press, uh, like in the old days. And we've got to stand up. We've got to call them out. A lot of this stuff is just absolutely ridiculous. And if the public rises up against it, there'll be such a backlash that it'll stop. If we don't stop it, it's going to get worse and worse. And I think that some of the government leaders um, uh, regarding the church even tested with this whole thing with COVID. You know, we had a pandemic. I mean, that's obvious. In pandemics, we want to keep people safe. When it first happened, we didn't know what we were dealing with. It almost looked like maybe this was going to be the bubonic plague and wipe out a third of the population. Of course, that did not happen, thankfully. But in the process, everything was shut down. Churches were called non-essential. Actually, during a pandemic, when people are so upset, they need the church more than ever. Now, as things started to open up, and as rioting happened, you know, the rioters didn't wear masks and stay socially distanced and so forth. That was somehow tolerated. You could go to uh, Walmart, Sam's, all those big box stores, the grocery store, of course, And somehow you wouldn't die of COVID. But if you went to church, you were going to be a super spreader. In other words, a church was unsafe somehow. Now, as far as I know, every church I personally know of went out of their way to clean, to seat the chairs six feet apart, uh, you know, to do all kinds of things. But they just wanted to have church, our freedom of religion. Our First Amendment rights do not go away. When there's a crisis, they don't. But some of these lefty governors saw how passively the Christians went along with it, and uh, they actually put on fines. Now, it was in the more extreme left states, California probably being the best example. But uh, the city of Pasadena even went further than the state. They put fines on our mutual friend Cheon, who has a great church in Pasadena, leads a whole network of churches, is a great uh, Christian leader. He's never been politically active. He just hasn't. He let other people do it. But boy, he's active now, warning people. They put a fine of $1,000, not per service. Well, actually, it was per service, per incident, but also Mm -hmm. per person. So I don't know how many people came to his church, because I wasn't there, but let's say it was 400. That was like $400,000 worth of fines every time they had service. Now, interestingly, people came from all over, not even people from his church, to attend the service to show their solidarity. 
the fines would have been in the millions of dollars. Now, he sued the state with the help of Liberty Council, and they won. It went all the way to the Supreme Court, and Gavin Newsom the state of California had to repay their legal fees, which were $1.3 million. And my question is, why should any American citizen have to sue the government for our First Amendment rights? I mean, it's horrible. It's, and I say this was an excuse to shut down churches. It's a virus today. What is their excuse going to be tomorrow? that there's some kind of hate speech or something. I mean, and, you know, a lot of the churches, as I mentioned earlier, went along passively with this. Uh, A few of the pastors, like um, Rob McCoy in Thousand Oaks and Greg Farrington up around Sacramento, they stood up. They were strong. I write about them in God and Cancel Culture. I tell their stories. But they told me that these pastors would call them, like, in the middle of the night, and they were just so timid. And they they kept their churches shut down. And then after the Supreme Court allowed them to have church, they had big banners. Oh, we're uh, it's business as usual, or we're back to normal. And it was as if they were celebrating the fact that the government said that they could have church, rather than the fact that the Bible said that they should have uh, forsaken not the assembling together of themselves. I mean, this has shown a lot of things in the Christian community, and... I really write this to Christians uh, because I write about revival. I write about a whole bunch of stuff. Secular people aren't going to be that interested, but I think the church has to wake up, see what's really going on, and try to understand what God is saying through all of this. And uh, we have a, a weak church, a passive church, and unfortunately a lot of them are even going woke. All right, I'm just, I'm just going to jump in real quick. You can stay over through the break. Uh, this is this is important stuff. Get the book God and Cancel Culture just out this month by Stephen Strang. It's the Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. I'm speaking with my friend and colleague, Stephen Strang, his brand new book, God and Cancel Culture, just out, an important read. And again, tackling things as a journalist, he's, he's listening, he's looking, he's reviewing, he's seeing what's out there. And, and to be perfectly honest, Steve, we've talked many times, I've been on your podcast, you've been on my show, we've talked many times face-to-face in the different meetings. I've, I've never in my life heard you this passionate you're feeling the urgency of this, you know. And if we think of, say, a state like Las Vegas, uh, a state like Nevada, or a city like Las Vegas, they said, okay, casinos they can they can they can be open at half capacity. So maybe a really big one, thousands of people could fit in there. So they, they cut that in half. Let's say you have a large church sanctuary that seats five thousand, limit of fifty people. Uh, I mean, the the double standard is so remarkable. You could gather at a church service in California as long as you're wearing masks, as long as it's under 50 people, and you can't sing. So there were clearly unequal standards. As you said, abortion clinics open, liquor stores open. They provide, quote, essential services, but the church doesn't. So meetings to help people dealing with pornography addiction or drug addiction or or meetings to help teenagers troubled teens or married couple. No, 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 that's not essential. Or just coming to meet with God and be encouraged. That's not essential. But liquor stores, abortion clinics are essential. So the, the double standards are undeniable. But, but I'm intrigued, Steve, when, when you talk about communism, 
do you mean just the totalitarian ideology is like communism to, to shut down and cancel all who differ? Or are you saying there, there are more similarities with communist ways of thinking that we're witnessing today? Well, it's the latter, Michael. Um, you know, it, it's hard to pin everything down. We have to look at what's happening and try to interpret it. And not everyone on the left is a communist, of course. Right. But there's a certain group think, and they're all going away, along with it, and there are radical fringes. I mean, Black Lives Matter, you know, it's a phrase we can all agree to, but the organization itself is pretty clear on its own website uh, what its purposes are. Critical race theory is very extreme. It's been on college campuses, and now suddenly, almost overnight, it's becoming mainstream in the sense that schools are teaching it and all kinds of things. These are uh, communist-type doctrines. They, it involves the tearing down of everything traditional. We've seen that in every single country where the communists have taken over. They've got to get rid of the traditions that we, the traditions of freedom, uh, freedom of religion, all these things. They've got to tear it down and replace it with something else. And it's, it's some kind of socialism controlled by the government. Even the stuff with COVID is the government controlling our lives in a way that they never have before. Now, it's under the guise of health, but really they're just they're getting people used to uh, doing what the government says regardless. And uh, they're also trying to make America impotent as far as standing for freedom. Within 30 years of the Russian Revolution in 1918, a third of the world was under communist control. And it would have been the whole world if it weren't for the United States. I mean, a lot of the Western countries did join with us, but they were not strong enough themselves uh, to stand against communism. And if America goes, I write about it in, um, in Guide and Cancel Culture, there's a whole chapter. It's not cancel culture, it's communism, and I, I interview um, experts who talk about this. And the Chinese government is behind most of it. They fund these things. We hear about Soros. a lot. Uh, he funds a lot of stuff. You know, there's all this push toward one world government. Um, and really, those of us who are Christians can see that what the Bible is saying is true about the end of time. I didn't think I would live long enough to see all this. I figured that this was all going to happen long after I... I was dead, but we're saying how it could happen. The governments are talking about the Great Reset. Um, you know, there's so much chaos in the world. There's going to be a time when a man emerges who's saying he'll bring peace. You know, the Bible calls this person the Antichrist. Meanwhile, the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world. It was even in the first century. I mean, the Apostle Paul used that term. And so there's all these kind of bad things happening. It all, you know, sometimes you wonder if it's just inevitable, but, you know, the Bible tells us to occupy until Jesus comes, and we, we do still have freedoms, and we need to stand up for them, and all this stuff might not happen for, you know, several hundred years, let's say. We're all speculating, but I write about all these things. It's complicated. It's not one thing. It's one thing leads to another, and you see the same trend in another aspect of society or another part of the world. And my job as a journalist was to try to make some sense of this and, and also to give platform to the 22 major leaders who I interviewed. You know, everything's documented. 
it, it isn't like I sat down at my word processor and just expressed my opinion. Um, I wanted to draw on people that I had known and had interviewed, you know, to try to make it a, uh, a package that people would want to, to read. You know, just the way I approached it is different than I'm sure that you will. And our company is very happy to have one-two punch, as you said earlier, because this is not something that one book is going to solve, and it's not something that people are going to read one time and then, um, you know, it's going to go away. Uh, we're going to have to be vigilant, and this is my way, in my small way, to stand up and say what I need to say. And it was interesting that you said I'm passionate about it. I am passionate about it. I'm very concerned about where the world is going. It even affects me. We, Our company has experienced some cancel culture, and we're not – we're not wide-eyed radicals. All we do is we believe what we've always believed about uh, the importance of the Bible, the power of the Holy Spirit, the fact that gifts are for today. Um, you know, when we started, that wasn't necessarily controversial. The secular people who didn't believe it, they just kind of ignored it. But now it's almost as if you believe biblical values, you're their enemy. And a lot of it comes down, as you would know, to the gay agenda, the whole anything goes sexually uh, aspect. I mean, it's all mixed up. It's not just one thing. And as far as the left is concerned, they all support each other. There are a lot of people that uh, uh, are, I'm going to call them lefties, uh, who are supportive of other things that they're not particularly um, interested in, but it's part of the package. And I'm trying to get the church to wake up. We've been on the defensive. We've been losing ground my entire adult life. This is not new, but it's just happening almost at warp speed now. And we Christians have thought, well, you know, uh, there's abortion, but, you know, they're not forcing us to have abortion. There's all this other uh, immorality on the Internet or anywhere else. But, you know, we're doing our best to follow the Lord, and we're staying away from it, and we're trying to teach our children right, and we're trying to— be active in our churches and experience Christian community, all that's fine. That's the kind of life I live. I live in kind of a Christian bubble uh, to ignore all that. But you know what? The culture is coming for us. They're get, they want to cancel us. It's like, even though the country is fairly evenly divided, uh, the impression in the media, the government, big tech, is that, uh, you know, they have all the le levers of power. And it's kind of like, we won, you lost, your opinion is not important, go sit down, shut up, and go away. And if you don't, they want to make you go away, make you lose your job, your way to make a living, uh, ridicule you. I tell the story in my book, God and Cancer Culture, about Anita Bryant in 1977. Yep. Uh, she was a popular singer. She was the uh, lady that sang the little ditty for the Florida Citrus Commission as their spokesperson. And she had the audacity to stand up to the first pro-gay, they called it anti-discrimination ordinance, in Miami, Florida. The, the gay community was not identifiable at the time as a political force. And actually, she won. There was a referendum down here in Florida, and she won. But they made her the, the poster child of being anti-gay. If you look her up in Wikipedia, the headlines say that she's an American yep. singer— an anti-gay rights activist. That's how they want people to think of her. They ruined her career. And she was the first uh, person that I knew about, at least, 
of what we're seeing today. Yeah, the fact is, friends, many of us have been warning for years, sounding the alarm, saying this was coming. I began saying in 2004, those who came out of the closet, speaking of, of activists, gay activists, not your average gay person, but activists, those who came out of the closet wanted to put us in the closet. And Steve, when I first started to say that, people told me you're crazy. And then a few years went by and they began to say, bigots like you belong in the closet. Friends, get the book, God and Cancel Culture. Evaluate the evidence for yourself. And then remember, if we stand and do what's right, we overcome. Hey, Steve, thanks for all you're doing. Thanks for your voice. And it's great to partner together. Thank you. Thank you for your friendship and for the opportunity to be on your program. Absolutely. God bless. All right, friends, as I said, I've never heard Stephen that passionate. That means this is burning. And uh, check it out. And if you, again, you wanted to title my book coming out in March from a very, very different angle, The Silencing of the Lambs. It's, check out the cover. Check out, go, go to Amazon.com. Check out the cover. It's, it's already posted. It's, it's absolutely fabulous. Yeah. By the way, by the way, we got 20 seconds. Have you gone to vitaminmission.com yet? No? All right, go there. Any order you place, just use the DR Brown, Dr. Brown code. You get 10% discount and a donation made to our ministry with our partner, Dr. Mark Stengler. The finest health supplements you can get anywhere, in my humble opinion. Vitaminmission.com. We're partnering together for your health and for the good of our ministry work. Check it out today. Hey, let's get healthy. Let's get strong. Let's stand. Let's make a difference. Another program powered by the Truth Network.